This is Ryan Martin, the host of Psychology and Stuff. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you like psychology. And if you like psychology, you will love All the Rage, the podcast on anger and violence out of Phoenix Studios. On All the Rage, my co-host Chuck Ryback and I talk about everything from internet trolls to toxic masculinity to road rage. We bring you mad science, anger management tips, and tons of stories about people losing their cool. You can learn more about All the Rage and other Phoenix Studios podcasts at uwgb.edu forward slash podcast. All right, welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the podcast of the University of Wisconsin Green Bay Psychology Program. We are back for season three. So we took the summer off, uh, and I am here today with a first-time guest, actually, Dr. Jenna Fagasa. Did I pronounce that kind of right? Yes. <laughs> I did. Awesome. <laughs> Very good. So um, you are uh, new at UW-Green Bay. In fact, as I have discovered over the last 24 hours, has not yet even taught her first class <laughs> at GB. Yes. And I know that because I ask her every time I see her, how was your first class? And she says, I haven't taught it yet. <laughs> so it's coming up in a couple, like an hour probably, yes. right? Awesome. So um, let's go ahead. Actually, why don't you uh, tell us about yourself? So um, I want to talk more about sports psych specifically, but tell us a little bit about your background, what you do, that sort of thing. Okay. So I'm, uh, well, I'm from Brazil, so that's why we're going to notice this accent. Um, I did a, a bachelor's in psychology in there. Um, I really like sports psychology. I also liked clinical psych. Um, I was really interested in cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, but I decided to go more towards the path of sports psychology. I was a volleyball athlete too, um, so that's, I think, kind of what made me interested in sports psychology. Um, So in Brazil, the master's programs are a lot research focus and um, I felt like I needed more knowledge and I didn't want to learn mostly about my research Um, and so I looked for programs in Europe they had like scholarships and stuff so I found this program in uh, they call European masters um, and they have a lot of different topics and one of them was for psychology Um, so I went to Finland to do my master's in sports psychology so I could have classes in sports psychology, thesis in sports psychology, and then also a practicum. Um, I also had, it was a dual degree, so I had an exchange period in Germany um, where I had a lot of American professors uh, coming. Um, They were paid to come and teach us. So that's how I got to know about the program that I ended up doing my PhD. Um, West Virginia University has a really good sports psychology program. Um, So I got to know when one of the professors from WVU went to Leipzig in Germany to teach us. Um, Okay, so that's the European part. So I got like two master's degree, even though I I kind of consider them to be one. <laughs> um, it, well, those two, I, I did take oh, another is, master's in here. Wow. So, <laughs> so you have three master's degrees. Technically, right? I have three diplomas, okay. yes. So, so what are they in? So one is... So bo- two are sports psychology, one okay. from Finland and one for Germany. Gotcha, okay. And then when I came, came to WVU, they have a dual program that is counseling, gotcha. uh, master's in counseling and then PhD in sports psychology. All right. Yeah, so I thought it was a good option. Uh, that's another 
part of why I chose to go to WVU uh, because I was initially interested in you know clinical psych as well, um, and then I I thought that I, you know at first I I plan on going back to Brazil and maybe like having private practice and you know being able to work both with um, general population and um, athletes and then but then I ended up staying here. So yeah, so after my master's, I spent one year in Brazil, when uh, applied to WVU, and then I've been in Morgantown, West Virginia for the last four years and mu- moved to Green Bay in July. All right. Yes. And you love it here, right? Is yeah, that- yeah, <laughs> I really do, I like it. I mean, the, the winter hasn't come and everybody keeps talking about how I'm gonna right. freeze. <laughs> yes. Yes, winter is coming, yes. <laughs> But there it's, we go. A nice, <laughs> it's a nice place because um, it's uh, larger than Morgantown, so I have like more options of things to do, uh, but it's not too big that it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And, and so we can get to places really quickly with the highway around. It's really nice. Nice. Yeah. And I saw the other day on Facebook, you met, you posted a, a map showing yes. sort of how you have lived further north than here. Yes. So you, you're not as scared of the winter as everybody. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Because I think people just think that I'm from Brazil. Right. And then they say, oh, my God, you know, the winter. And I've been to two Finnish winters and I really, really <laughs> doubt that it's going to be worse. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had the same thing because I'm from slightly further north than here in, in the Twin Cities. Um, but I came directly from Mississippi so everybody thought like oh he's <laughs> unprepared for the vicious winters and I thought, yes I'll be just fine so <laughs> so um well so tell people a little bit um about kind of what sports psych is you know for the mm-hmm. for the the novice psych and stuff listener who is kind of loosely uh, understands kind of, you know the the area kind of give people a sense of what sports psych is okay so, well, sports psychology um, here in the U.S. is a little bit different because we, in many countries, uh, sports psychology is more a part of psychology than sports sciences. Uh, but here in the U.S., it kind of has both. Um, so you can be either, sometimes they call it like an educational sports psychology um, or sports psychology consultant, and that, and some people use like mental trainer. So this all these names will be for people who work with performances specifically, um, and it could like it always always crosses uh, a bit with um, other general problems that athletes may have in life like you know they cannot focus because something has is happening at home or you know they bro- broke up with their girlfriend or something um, and we can kind of um, work with that you know if it if it's affecting performance we can um, go a little bit out of just the sport itself but we're trying to help them improve performance so we work on skills and you know uh, a lot of it comes from CBT so we were thinking trying to see how if there's like cognitive distortions if they're you know cat catastrophizing things and um, taking out of proportion or um, you know personalizing things that coaches are saying or um, so we can help them think uh, more 
not more positively, but just more effectively or, or in a way that helps performance uh, better. And then we also have some behavioral um, uh, interventions as well, like relaxation, breathing relaxation. We use imagery um, and, um, you know, sometimes, you know, thought stopping and mm-hmm. a lot of um, things that we use in general psychology right. as well. Um, so it sounds, but, you know, because my background's in counseling mm-hmm. as, as, as well. And, and so it sounds like a lot of this is taking the, the sort of standard counseling therapeutic or clinical therapeutic approaches, but applying them to this very specific area. Is that a fair yes. uh, description? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very fair. Yeah, it's a lot of taking from counseling right. and putting into the sport context. Right. Um, which is funny because here in the West, there's like kind of this division sort of between um, clinical sports psychology and sort of educational sports psychology. Mm-hmm. And um, and then some pi- sometimes people are a little bit defensive of their own parts, but... But there's a lot of turf wars in psychology (laughs) amongst different groups where people. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but but so this this is the area that I work with. Even though I do have a background in in counseling, and I I am actually a licensed psychologist in Brazil, but um, I do not work with mental health, and I'm not licensed to do Mm -hmm. so here in U.S. Um, But then when athletes have you know clinical depression or anxiety or you know, um, something more in the DSM area, then um, psychologists will work with them. And then um, we prefer or we will recommend a clinical sports psychologist because of the specificities that um, some, you know, sports and and athletes have uh, so they understand better the world. Um, So you can kind of get two of these paths uh, when you're, you know, thinking about if you want to go through this career. Um, and But I think majority of people uh, work with performance and then some clinical sports psychologists also work with both. Um, yeah, so... Well, and I think, so one of the things we've talked about, too, is how, so your focus is on sport, but there are other, it's, you know, areas where it's sport and performance psych, where Mm -hmm. they're, um, where someone's focus might be more on, you know, musicians, artists, um, actresses, actresses, (laughs) (laughs) actors and actresses, musicians, kind of working on dealing with things like stage fright or, Mm -hmm. or issues related to that. Is that... Yes, yes. Yes, a lot of uh, sports psychology consultants work with um, other types of clients too. Um, I've met in a conference one that worked with the Cirque, Cirque du Soleil. My French is oh, not good. Nice. Yeah, so. It's um, better than my French. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, in like with uh, surgeons and, um, you know, artists and the. I have a friend who has a background in dance, in dance, so she has done her dissertation with um, ballet dancers, and um, yeah, they have like a, a lot of um, pressure to, and in, in, in their own different culture, sort of. Um, so yeah, it goes, you know, musicians, and you know, trying out for, um, you know, to go to Julia or even to go to a, you know, famous or- orchestra or 
um, or just preparing for performance, really. And if you think a, a lot of what we do in life is performance, um, even, you know, with grad, you know, in school, grad school, undergrads and, um, you know, going to an exam or just right. being able to function. I, I did my so I did my counsel, master's in counseling and my sports psych and uh, degrees in at West Virginia University and I did my internship in counseling in the counseling center at the university there and I had a lot of um, clients who were you know got too anxious with exams or or even like even social relationships it's kind of a performance that you have to do if you're you know an introvert and um, you don't have that many skills, you know, I, I'm going to help you with the skills. I'm going to help you regulate, you know, some of these uh, thoughts and, and uh, kind of perform better in this, you know, connection mm. with other people. So, um, yeah, you, you, and I think we are kind of going that path of becoming more like performance psychology, psychology rather than sport psychology even the certification that they're changing now in the Association for Applied Sports Psychology, um, they're changing the name to, um, I think it's Certified Mental Performance Consultant. So it's mental performance, not sports psychology consultant. Um, Well, there's also legal issues because you can only be sports psychology (laughs) or have psychology in your in your title if you're a psychologist Mm -hmm. but but a lot of people are working with other areas that not sport okay so tell me a little bit about your research so what are some of the things you you've you've studied okay um well i do have interest in too many things and i've been (laughs) talking a lot about sport psychology, but I also have, uh, we call like sport and exercise psychology. I do have a bigger interest in sport psychology, but I do like exercise psychology too, which will be more like the daily exercisers and how we help them motivate, be motivated and adhere to their, you know, healthy lives, <laughs> basically. Um, so I've done some research with exercise psych, uh, with um, adherence to we call it a weight management program even though weight management is kind of a bad name but that's the mm-hmm. name of the program so I work in, in that program and we we had some um, we did some research see, to see um, psychological factors that affected you know how successful they were and even like we found out that it, when they dropped out of the program, it didn't mean that they were not um, being successful afterwards. Because sometimes we think, oh, they didn't finish the program, that is bad, like in randomized control trials. <laughs> but in the clinical really clinical work outside in the real world, um, sometimes it, you know they are, they just feel ready to go and be by themselves. Um, and then in the sports psychology part, I've been. Um, working a lot of uh, or researching a lot supervision um, because I think it's a way that our profession can be improved we are quite new area of psychology or sports sciences (laughs) both I guess Um, so I think um, a lot of people have never been supervised and then you know some of these people are supervising new students and some students are not being supervised or just being supervised you know, as needed, even though they've never done anything um, practical before. So 
I'm trying to see if I can help improve that um, area to kind of help improve the profession. Uh, but I'm also interested in applied sports psychology um, research. I've, my master thesis was actually more in the applied side. I looked into um, emotions and performance, um, which was quite challenging, but... You know. <laughs> Let's talk about the applied side, because one of the things I've been wondering, I know you've done a lot of consulting mm -hmm. and are doing consulting now. Mm -hmm. Give me a kind of paint a picture of what that looks like, because I'm, <laughs> I'm curious to know sort of what the what the kind of day to day life of a uh, consulting sports psychologist is. Yes, yes. Well, so I've been wor working mostly with the group sessions. Um, it's it depends a lot on like where you're working and mm -hmm. um the type of um, population in um, college athletics usually during the season they're very very busy uh, so it's harder to get more individual sessions um, so I do a lot of sort of workshops usually athletes like to move a bit so I get you know we can talk about focus and strategies to focus so sometimes I make them play something silly like throwing ping pongs on a cup and and then like using different strategies or I set up the the um, the environment in a way that um you know how they're gonna I, I put them like to practice some and then um kind of like a I don't give them much instruction instruction and then uh, they have to compete and then they're frustrated and then I say okay now you can practice again and you know how the work the game is going to be so they do like a different type of practice and then we talk about mindset in practice and how you know Correct. practice can be more purposeful or or just like being there kind of do like throwing the balls but not really being intentional so you can go like from just mindset preparation being committed or you know how you the group work together and then it can can go all to like pre-performance routines so mm -hmm. um and it's Sometimes it's hard in groups because different people work differently. So what works with some one person doesn't work with the next. So I cannot go there and say you should do like this, this, and this, and it's gonna work. Right. So I, it's kind of um, I think it may be a little frustrating for athletes that I cannot tell them that. But we usually just we do something, discuss about different options, and then. And then I always tell them that they can come for individual sessions if they want to kind of uh, help in tailoring right. better for so, themselves. So is it usually, and maybe there is no usual, but is it usually the coach who kind of comes to you and says, I'm worried about my athlete's ability to focus or something like that? And then so you do a session on that for them or do the athletes come to you and say, hey, I'm, you know, I've noticed I'm having a problem with X or Y or like how? Mm -hmm. Well, it's all of the above so okay. uh sometimes because i try to watch uh, their practice too at least like once a week but um so sometimes i notice something in practice um i try to usually talk to the coach and see you do you see something that you know um i could work with or that you're worried about and and even last week i was watching practice the day before <laughs> of the group and i was already had like something in mind for the group that they the day after and um the coach said oh you, you know you should work blah 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 and then i said okay <laughs> so so i kind of switched uh, a little bit because uh, he was you know worried about that specific detail um so i just changed what what i was going to work on the next day but 
Um, but yeah, sometimes when I have usually, well, with volleyball in the spring is usually the time they have more time because they have less practice, less traveling. Um, so I get more individual athletes usually in the spring. And then if I have a lot of individual athletes with similar issues, which comes a lot, it's, it's like worrying about mistakes. Cannot get over and you have like 24, uh, well, 25 to close a set, but you have like maybe mm. almost 50 points uh, per set. Uh, and you have to refocus every time after one and not carry you know, that, right. the weight of the mistake to the next one. Uh, so that comes out comes out a lot, and mm-hmm. and it can go. There's like a variety of strategies you can use from cognitive mm-hmm. to behavioral, and but but yeah, usually thoughts are somewhere That's, there. I think one of the really interesting things about sport or sports psych is that different sports require such drastically different um, sorts of psychological skills mm-hmm. that, and you know, we, volleyball or tennis or things like that, where it, you know there. Are, where each point is an individual thing and, yes. and in some ways that's good in some ways it means you don't pay for mistakes the same way right <laughs> because you can do the dumbest thing in the world and it's still just one point you know yes, whereas yes. In, in soccer the dumbest thing in the world might lose a, a game for yes. you and, and um but um so tell people uh last question before we get to our game um <laughs> tell people about the capstone you're teaching this semester okay. this is a really cool class yes yes so i'm i um designed the capstone so they can have kind of uh, the basics of uh, many of the theories that we use in sports psych come from psychology, of course, but we just see how they apply more in uh, sports psychology. And and that's kind of the first third of the semester. And then uh, we look into different um, kind of skills and and interventions that we use, like, you know, for attention concentration, arousal regulation and um, goal setting and all these like more specific skills. Um, And then the last part, we also look into some more like sociological related things um, and how, you know, different populations um, could apply to different populations or even like sport and social justice, like, you know, sometimes athletes want to kneel in the, the, during the anthem, but, you know, the, the rest of the team, you know, may affect the dynamic and how do they navigate all of this. Um, so, you know, many different aspects that can come up if you're working with uh, sports psychology. And yeah, and then the in the last couple of days, they're gonna do their own workshop for the rest of us, <laughs> and you know, pretend we're athletes, or or maybe if they want us to be like musicians or something else, that's fine too. So we'll see how that goes. That is cool. That is yeah. very cool. And that is, so, and you're teaching again in the spring. Yes. I know. And the class is called "You Shall Not Choke." Am you I shall not choke. Yes. All right. <laughs> so, very good. Yeah, it's like 494. You shall not choke. Right? Senior <laughs> capstone in psychology, which is awesome. So, uh, very cool. Well, it is time for our game. All right. Um, so we have our hat, and we're gonna tear off five questions from this hat, and most of them are gonna end up being about food. Um, there we go. If you had to eat one meal <laughs> every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Every day? Uh, I don't know. So one thing that I miss is eating, eating rice and beans every day. Because <laughs> we, we really do eat every day that in Brazil. And um, it's not the same even when I try to make 
my own here with the beans. I don't know. And it takes a lot of work. So <laughs> so I think I will be happy eating rice and beans again every day. Okay. Even though it's not like a right. wow food. <laughs> so I'm familiar so my version of rice and beans is Louisiana of rice and beans, which I'm assuming are very different from I think so. I don't okay. think I eat tried rice and beans when I went to Louisiana, uh, but I, I don't think it's the same. I had a lot of red beans and rice and andouille sausage, mm. and it was fabulous. In fact, I kind of want that for lunch now <laughs> as, far as we're talking about it. I'm making a terrible mistake asking these questions right, right before lunch. Um, all right. Uh, what is the first thing you would buy if you won the lottery? Gosh. Uh, I think... <laughs> I think right now I'll buy a house. <laughs> I, don't I, yes. have, I don't have to <laughs> pay sense. rent anymore. Um, <laughs> but I do like to travel a lot. I think I would spend a lot more money traveling than yeah. buying things like if I won't. Tickets. Buy tickets. Yeah, someplace. tickets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, do you have a favorite like news source, a favorite blog, a favorite news website? Um, I don't. I don't have a favorite. I. I actually. Duke, I, I do have like some left tendencies, so I, <laughs> I do read like Washington Post and and BuzzFeed and mm-hmm. yeah, and sometimes they're a little silly, but sometimes they're nice. <laughs> yeah. No, I sometimes you need the the silly BuzzFeed. Like I need to know what what Disney princesses would look like if they <laughs> if they were real. Like that's that is helpful. It helps me deal with the with the other news in the world. So, yeah. Um what did you want to be when you were growing up? Well, I don't remember like when I was a kid, but I for a, a while I wanted to be an um, oceanographer. Is, is okay. it how is it in English? Yeah, so I wanted to study the oceans, uh, okay. and um, and then I I thought about being a lawyer, but I thought it was going to be boring, um, and then I ended up going to psychology. But but I think the one that I wanted the longest was to study oceanography. All right, <laughs> very cool. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds good. I um. I, I'm known for a love of sharks. In fact, somebody, mm. like a, an alum from a good six years ago, posted a shark joke on Facebook yesterday. It was delightful. Like, I loved it. So I love being known for that. But I, I will admit that I, like, on some level I've become, like, I used to just like sharks. Now I've become a little more scared of them. I think, like, I've surrounded myself with scary shark things. So when I hear about people wanting to study the ocean, I start to, like, think, Sharks. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. All right. If you could interview one person, dead or alive. Oh, God. <laughs> That's really hard. It is. And only one of these was about food. Was yeah. Kidding. I must have thrown a bunch out. <laughs> a bunch of my food questions. All right. Oh, interview one person, dead or alive. That's too broad. It's like that question went, you know, if you could go back to any... Yeah. Like event in time. Um, a dinner party. I got a, I got another one. If you we can pass on that one. If you want a different one. I think I think I feel like I wanted to interview Mandela. Oh, that's I a great know. answer. Yeah, I think it's a, it's like it's such a peaceful person. I would like to be able to understand how to reach that. <laughs> 
That's good. Well, you love it. So I'm just going to tell you what the, the question would have been okay. in the past. It would have been, what is your favorite sport? Uh, oh, so, yeah. so I think uh, I know it's volleyball, right? Volleyball, yeah. So, very good. Well, this has been great getting to know you and getting to talk to you a little bit about uh, your research and what you do. Um, so thank you very, very much uh, for, for being here. Um, do you have anything else you want to say before you go? Anything? Mm, no, I don't think so. All mm. right, good. So uh, I want to take a moment to thank uh, our producer, Kate Farley, who's here, who made a Game of Thrones joke earlier that I... Uh, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, I want to thank Kimberly Fleece, who is uh, not here, but she did our wonderful podcast art. And then I want to tell you about our new intern, Sophie Seelan. Uh, she's going to be uh, doing a lot of background research for us, doing a lot of other things, organizing a lot of events. She is not here. She was here a moment ago and had to step out. Um, but Sophie is our new intern, and we're really excited to have her. So thanks to her for the hard work she's about to do. Um, <laughs> our next episode, we are actually going to watch the movie One Flew Over the a Cuckoo's Nest. The Cuckoo's Nest? <laughs> One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Anyways, we're going to talk about it uh, and have a discussion. I don't know who the guests are going to be yet. It's a big surprise, but they're going to be from across campus. So I'm hoping to get some English professors there, some psychology professors, and others. So that's coming up. Uh, we'll have details for you on Twitter, Psych and Stuff is what you follow, or on Facebook, Psych and Stuff. That's all I got. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.